Uh, Film Forum, I'm Pastor Mike Batid. I'm at, uh, at Grace Calvary Chapel with Pastor Joe Marquez. I've been there for, God, I'm coming up to 11 years now uh, with Joe. And so I um, was really blessed and, and just honored uh, to be able to uh, to, to be able to teach and, and to help Roy and them out. Um, and so for me, I, I just have a, uh, I always have a heart for Calvary New Life just because of Louis. You know, Louis was the one who decided to know Christ. And so, uh, you know, just as anytime I can help out, I'm, I would be willing to do it in a heartbeat. So I, I thank you for that. And Roy had asked me to say, uh, happy Veterans Day to those that serve, and I think the uh, Roy is probably the the one veteran here. That uh, so, if you're watching this, Roy, God bless you. Thank you for your service, um, and uh, you know what a, a blessing that is. One of the things that uh, he did talk about was the uh, the prayer request last week, um, and actually that's what we're going to be talking about today is prayer, um, and so. Praying for the new building that as that is getting closer and closer and uh, maybe things seem to be, you know, uh, we had the Calvary Chapel Pastors Conference this past weekend. And I think one of the things that uh, that Pastor Ed Taylor was talking about is just the frustration and the things that we go through in life and how um, that 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 God wants to work in us and, and that the devil wants to frustrate us. And make us think that nothing's happening, uh, and and that uh, that that we don't see maybe the growth that we thought we were going to have, or we don't see uh, the life that we thought we were going to be in. But God can move, and uh, and we need to be people of prayer, and and be willing to do that. So um, one of the things they do do is, and I would tell you. Um, as we we go through the the teaching today, is just to remember that. Uh, that prayer is the is one of the the, the greatest things. But I think that's that's probably one of the least things that Christians do. They they don't spend time in their word and they don't spend time praying. And so as we talk about building construction, pray for it. Pray that it'll get finished. Pray that uh, that the servants that have been doing uh, the ministry of, of packing up and and and. Uh, happen to load up and get everything in the cars and come here and set up would have the, uh, the ability to actually have the building to where they can just show up and serve. And so hopefully I'll get in there before the end of the month. So um, the other thing is, is uh, you know, just keep Roy and Tina in prayer as they come back from the wedding, as they uh, travel home, uh, pray for that travel and mercies. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Uh, and, and at grace we stand when we read the Word of God. So if y'all want to go ahead and stand with me, we'll read uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Uh, and let's start at verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant... Uh, you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love, and may have strength to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or we think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for this beautiful prayer that Paul wrote uh, to the Ephesians church, Lord, and I pray that it would encourage us today uh, that we would be uh, a church that prays together, a church that uh, prays for our pastor uh, and, our, and his servants, and, and also a, a family that prays for our kids, uh, a mom or a dad that actually spends time praying for each one of their kids and, and grandkids and uh, that we would look at this and see, is there, have I been neglecting prayer? Um, what is the application for me uh, in your word? And, and I pray that uh, even for myself, Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to work. Uh, this is your word, and let me get out of the way so you can do the heavy lifting and, and just pray that you uh, speak to each heart here, Lord. And uh, we thank you, and we just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. So we're actually going to look at this in, uh, in four parts. I entitled this Rooted in Prayer, Praise, and Love. Rooted in Prayer, Praise, and Love. We'll look at it in four parts. We'll look at in verses 14 through 16, the inner strength. Uh, faith and love in verse 17. Uh, and spiritual understanding in verse 18. And then uh, the last few verses in 19 through 21, the it sound like I don't use big words. If y'all know me, I'm, I, I went to school in Alabama, <laughs> so my education was not the greatest. And so when I when I when I when people do uh, Greek words and Hebrew words, I, that's cool with me. It's just not something I do. Uh, I usually just try to tell you this is what it means in the Greek. Uh, but there is a word that uh, that Paul is uh, that describes as prayer as a doxology. And, and doxa just simply means uh, glory or splendor, and uh, the logos is word. And so doxology is uh, the glory and word. It's a, uh, a short hymn or a praise or a prayer, and this is one of them. The, the first part of it is actually in, in chapter 1, and, and really the book of Ephesians, what I love about it, he's writing to the church of Ephesus, and in that, he's writing to them and telling them, look, you're, you're sitting through chapters 1 through 3. You're, you're learning about who God is. And then in chapters 4, he's telling you to get up and walk, 4 and 5. This is how you walk in unity, walk in love, walk in your marriage. You know, all of that wonderful stuff. And then what does he tell you in verse 6? We all know it because he tells you to put on the armor of God. You need to get ready for war. And, and so those three things as we look at Ephesians. But Paul does something that uh, at the very beginning of Ephesians in chapter 1, that's the first part of the prayer. And then he breaks and goes into this whole other thought. And then he picks back up the prayer when we get to the verse 14. But it, it, the first part of the prayer starts in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. In the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the glory, or that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope 
to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And then verse 19 is really the key to it. And he says, towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he was raised, uh, raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all and above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of, of him who fills all in all. And so we see the first prayer in chapter 1 is actually dealing with enlightenment. And so he talks about that, that word enlightenment. He's saying that he wants to, uh, having your, the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And then when we get to verse 14 in chapter 3, He's telling you, okay, now that you've been enlightened, I want to enable you. I want to give you the enablement of what it is to walk with God now. And, and, and how, to, how we should be praying for not only our pastors, our church, the people in the church. You know, even for our family. It's like as soon as we get to chapter 14, we get, we get Paul's just beautiful prayer open up. And, and he starts it with, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And so, when he talks about bowing his knees, the thing that I love about this is that he's talking about humility. Like, when's the last time you got on your knees and prayed? You know? Seriously, when's the last time you got on your knees and just prayed? It's, 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 is, it, is, there, is that their only way to pray? No, you can pray. It says, cease, you know, uh, you're not supposed to. You pray while we're sitting at our desk. We can pray many different ways. But there's something about getting on your knees and humility and praying to God. It's, it's something that I think we take for granted. My father told me when I, when I first came to know the Lord that night that I was struggling, my wife had left me. We had 22 years of marriage, and she was done. And I, had, uh, I was struggling, and my dad told me, he goes, Mike, I, I have racing thoughts at night. I've had them that way since, you know, since I was a kid. And he told me, you know, I, there are times on my knees and I pray. And sometimes I have to get out of bed three or four times. And he goes, and I pray just like I was a little kid. And, you know, that's the first time my father ever talked to me about the Lord. And I was 39 years old. And, all. and so, you know, when I look at bowing his knees, I, I just think, man, what humility. But we also are, are called to be Christ-like, but Jesus gives us the example of the Testament. It's in the places of, of, of quiet solitude in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus made it a point to make that a priority to start his day with, to spend time with the Father and pray. But are you rushing through your day and rushing through your word, and rushing through your prayer, right? We, we can bypass all of that, and, and we, miss, we miss the whole point of spending time with Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, but he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. So Jesus spent time alone with God. He was waiting to hear from the Lord at the same time he wanted to communicate with his Father. And that's how we should be. 
He prayed for all of the disciples and including us, the believers, in John chapter 17, verse 11. It says, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which is your one. And Jesus gave praise to God in Luke chapter 10, verse 21. He said, In the same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such uh, was your gracious will. He prayed in thanksgiving when he broke the bread in Mark chapter 14, verses 22. He prayed in anguish in Luke chapter four, uh, 22, verses 44. And, in, and, and being in, in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his, will, his, and his sweat became like great drops of blood uh, falling down to the ground. And then that, I think this is where the church is. If we look at Luke chapter 22, verses 45, you have Jesus praying earnestly, right? And sweat drop, dropping down like blood, right? Drops of blood falling down to the ground. And then uh, you go to the next verse in Luke chapter 22, verse 45. It says, And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. I think that's where the church is at. I, I, I can tell you, as an early, especially as an early believer in Christ, one of the things that I didn't do was pray. I would always try to fix the problem myself. Thinking, okay, well, if this is what's wrong with the ministry, then I'm supposed to go do that and fix it, instead of being on my knees and praying. And we can do that also in our marriages or with our families. Like we think, okay, it's my job to fix my daughter. It's my job to pray for my daughter. It's like if I care for my family, I need to be praying for my family. If I, if I care for my church, then I need to be praying for Pastor Roy and, pa and, and Miss Tina and praying for the servants and the community will come alongside and that the Word will come out into this community, that God will fill that new building. That's, that's what our, our prayer needs to be. But if we're not going to pray, what are you expecting to happen? And so we need to be uh, men and women of prayer. And so real quick, and y'all know this, y'all been taught long enough to know the, the, the supplication. I think we forget that at times. Like I think what we go straight to is supplication. Lord, I need this. This is happening. Can you fix this? And we don't actually spend time giving glory to God. The Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, who died on the cross for you. We don't spend time in confession, which is sad. Like, that should be a priority every day. You should be confessing your sins every day. Do you sin? Yes. We all do. You need to confess them. You need to, hey, you know what? I got upset on the road. <laughs> My pride was out today, and this happened. Lord, I need to ask for forgiveness. I got upset with my wife, or I said something to my son. I should have, you know, and then go not only ask God for forgiveness, but go ask them. Be an example of Christ. And do that through your prayer. And then you give thanks. Like, you woke up this morning. Because you... It's, it's a, a gift from God. You didn't have to wake up this morning. You could have been already with the Lord. You have a roof over your head. 
You had gas in your car to get to church. Those are all blessings. Those are all things to thank God for. We don't think of that, right? We take those things for granted. But we need to be giving God and, and, and thanking Him for the things that He's doing in our, in our lives. And then we get to supplication. Right? And then we get to supplication. It says in Ephesians 3.15, it says, for, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, all working together. That's why I'm here tonight. You know, Roy asked me, hey, Mike, can you help? Yeah, because we're, we're all one body. That's why I love going to the, the pastor's conference. You see all those, those men and women serving Christ and, and just God using them, and we're all one body here in Texas and Oklahoma. And, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. And then in verse 16, it says that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Holy Spirit, or through His Spirit, in your inner being. And so one of the first things I asked myself is, you know, he's talking about being strengthened uh, through the power of the Spirit, but I was like, what is my inner being? Right? That's not a word we use every day. And so that's the first thing when, I, when I'm looking at this, I'm going, well, I don't think I've ever used, hey, this is my inner being. I've ever used that in a conversation in my lifetime. And so one of the things I had to ask myself is, what is the inner being? And so actually what the inner being is, is that's, that's where a, a person's real strength lies. That's, that's where the believer's strength comes from God. It, it's active and it, it's uh, His power at work through the believer. That's the inner being. It's, it's that part of the Lord that, you know, that's here in the heart that God is using and, and moving and working in our lives. And so He's saying, hey, I'm going to strengthen that. I want to I want to give strength in that and and um, and he's saying through what through the power of the Holy Spirit through the power you're not supposed to do this alone and so you you have to figure out what team you're on if you're team flesh or team spirit because you can be in the church and be one of those where you're not connected to and it says you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so, uh, really, what's sad to think today, and, and this is from Warren Worsby, he also talked about um, if God took the Holy Spirit out of this world, most of, of what we uh, Christians are doing would go right on nor with normal. Like church would go on normal for some people. Because they're doing it in their flesh. They're doing it in their doing it. Because see, what I want and, and what I pray for is, is for each of y'all to be guided and directed by the Holy Spirit step by step in your life. Not, not like, okay, well, I'm going to be connected to the Holy Spirit on Sunday because I'm in church. And then you just go on and do what you want to do the rest of the week. And it's like, you need to be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit throughout your Christian life. And he's saying, look, I'm going to strengthen, strengthen you with that. And, and, he, and, he, and, and again, that's how... God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You can do the same. You have the same power that was in Christ Jesus. And, and it's like, are you connected to that power? And he, he's saying, look, if we, if we look at the book of Acts, 
Like if you're like, I just need a fresh one of the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure what's going on. Go read the book of Acts. It'll encourage you. The early church, man, it was like, boom, the, the Holy Spirit was just moving. In Acts chapter 4, verses 31, we see the church being strengthened. And I love this because it says, when they had prayed. When they had pray, prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were, all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And the Holy Spirit's going to move and God's going God's to do something here. We don't know what it is, but we know that God's going to move. We, we're coming together as a church body saying, you know what, we need to be praying for this building. We need to be asking for the electricians to be blessed. We need to be asking for the, the, the guy who does the plumbing. Let them know, hey, there's a church coming here. Maybe they come. Pray for that. But we, you look to the early church, they were strengthened. They were strengthened, but they were connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a story that we went over in Lloyd Pulley's book, and, and it talks about a missionary that had a car that he had for three years while he was on the mission field. And everywhere he had that car, it was a, it was a clutch. And most of y'all don't know what a clutch is, probably. It's, it's where you have to actually manually do the transmission. And, and the car wouldn't start, so he had to park it on a, on a, on a downward hill. So the, he could pop the clutch and get the next missionary who's coming to take his place. He tells him, hey, this car is funny. You're going to have to park it on a hill every time you use it and, and pop the clutch and it'll get started. He goes, well, wait a minute. Let me pop the hood. Let me take a look at it. I know a little bit about cars. So he takes a look at the car. He finds out one of the wires are not connected. This thing's never been connected to the power. It, it, it's kind of connected every once in a while, but not all the time. Car started right up. And so that's what I'm asking you this morning. Are you connected to the power of the Holy Spirit? How do you be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit? You spend time in His Word. You spend time in prayer. You spend time in fellowship. That's how you get connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. You ask God to, to guide and direct your, your every part of your day. Like sharing God, being strengthened to be able to be bold to share God's Word. And it says, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. And, and um, you know, one of the things that you, you can look at is in Mark chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. And I'll just summarize this real quick. It's that, that demon that, that's coming out right after the storm. And, and uh, the disciples and, and Jesus are there and, and this guy's coming running at him and he says, well, who are you? And he goes, I'm legion. And, and, and Jesus is like, okay, well, he saves the kid. And then the demons are like, can you throw us into the pigs, right? And then go run into the pigs. But what I love about the verse is in Mark chapter 5, verse 17 through 20, we pick it up after he's been saved. And it, and it says, and, and they, begin to be, they begin to beg Jesus to depart from the region. The people were like, you got to get out of here. We don't know who you are, what this is, but it scares us, right? And, and he was getting into the boat, and the man who had been possessed, so Jesus, Jesus saves him, he's not possessed anymore, with demons begged him that he might be with him. 
And he did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has made mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim Decapolis in, in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for, for him. And, uh, and, and we see that. And one of the things that I love is like uh, Jesus saves him and he goes out in boldness, right? He wants to go with Jesus. He's like, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to follow Christ. But Jesus says, no, I need you to go home and tell your friends. Go home and tell your friends. Did he say, no, I need you to go stop at the nearest Bible college and get your theology degree with Kanye West? But God can still use that. People are coming to know Jesus Christ. They had a thousand people come to know Christ. And you go, well... He hasn't, he don't really know. I didn't know anything and I was sharing the gospel at, when I first came to know Jesus. I, I was just like, well, I was this. And then Jesus came and Jesus, man, just pushed me and, and God got a hold of me and I came to know Christ. And the Holy Spirit kept knocking on my heart and it saved my marriage, it saved my kids, saved my family. That was through the power of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus did. And God can move in people's lives, and we need to be bold to share the gospel. I'll share this real quick with you, and, and, and I'll, because I know when we, when we talk about things like Kanye West, it gets people nervous, because guess what? He could be, we don't know. It's not our place to judge. But it, what does Paul say in Scripture? Hey, they may be sharing the gospel, they may be doing it in envy and, and, and for their own benefit, but they're still sharing Christ. They're still sharing Christ, right? And so I had, and the reason why I say this, I'm sitting in a barbershop with my son. Now, I have no reason to be in a barbershop. You can tell, right? The worst thing is a bald man to be sitting, sitting in a barbershop for an hour because it takes that long to get my son's hair cut. And all. he's very funny about his hair, but he won't be when he turns 30 because it'll all be gone. Um, but I'm at church at Grace Calvary Chapel, and he asked me, what did you think of Jesus as King? Oh, I loved it. It's probably the best Christian hip-hop album I've heard all year, because you know why? They didn't hide Jesus. He was at the forefront. I loved it because trending on Twitter was Jesus is King. God is. All these things about God were trending. And people were like, what's going on? Well, what does it mean to be saved? What, all these questions were happening. Next question happened in the barbershop. Do you think he's saved? And then the conversation went into, what does it mean to be saved? And Daniel, one of the barbers, gave his life to Jesus Christ in that barbershop. I asked him, I was like, well, you're running. Stop running. You're not asking about Kanye, you're asking about yourself. What does it mean to be saved? And so with boldness, strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, because let me tell you, me and Matt walked out of there, we were like, we could carry the car home. And we were like, okay, who can we tell next? Saying that you would be rooted and grounded in love and faith, right? Tell in your hearts through faith that you, may, uh, that you be rooted and grounded in love. And that word in the Greek actually means that that. Christ actually settles down to be at home in your heart. 
And so you have to ask yourself today, like, are there certain parts of the home of my heart that I'm not allowing God into? Are there things going on in my life and, I'm, and I haven't allowed God into that part of my heart? And so we, we need to ask, ask that question, you know, is Christ at home in my heart? Does he dwell? And in John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will uh, come to him and make our home with him. So that's a, a verse right there that he, he's going to make our home with him in our hearts. And through faith, uh, it, it speaks of Christians trusting and exercising uh, their lordship, or allowing God to have his lordship over them. And we learned about this in, uh, at, at the pastor's conference from Pastor Ed Taylor. And, and uh, the, they, they had to go to Elijah. And um, they, had to, they were like, is there somebody here? <laughs> A prophet from the Lord, right? And so they were like, go get Elijah. So they had to step out in faith and go get Elijah. And so when, when Elijah comes on he, he, in 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 15, it says, bring now, uh, but now bring me a musician. This should encourage Roman. I love that. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. It brings us into God. It, it, it prepares us to have our, our hearts open to receive God's word. Right? And he says, thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. And this is probably not going to make a whole lot of sense to you, but I'll explain it. Uh, for, uh, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind or rain, but the uh, stream bed uh, shall be filled with water so that you shall drink uh, you, your livestock, and your animals. This is, the, this is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites into your hand. So you're thinking, okay, what does these stream beds mean, right? So basically, there's no water. The whole army is there. And, and they have no water at all, not for the animals, not for themselves. And so what does he tell them? He tells them, hey, in faith, do what? Get your shovel. Start digging. Because he tells you right there, this is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. So whatever you're going through, sometimes what you need to do is take that step of faith, trust God, grab your shovel, and start digging. As thus says the Lord, I'm going to make this stream bed full of pools. He's going to bring the water. He's going to bring the water. And he said, you won't see rain. You won't see wind. But the stream bed shall be filled with water. With water. And their livestock did get all the water they needed. The animals got all the water and the army got it. But they had to dig first. They had to take that step of faith first. And sometimes we have to take that step of faith. We have to... We have to allow God to dwell in our hearts and then we take that step of faith to show in need. Even though we're like, man, I don't know how this is going to go, just take that step of faith and do it. And so, but I love what he says. He says, to dwell in your hearts through that you be rooted and grounded in love. Agape, unconditional love. Rooted is, is when we think of the soil, uh, we don't think of good soil here in Texas. This heart is a rock. It has to be worked. It, it needs to be soft. In order for the roots to go deep, it needs to be nourished and be around uh, water. And so I always think of Psalm, uh, Psalm 1, verses uh, 1 through 3. It says, uh, Blessed is the man who 
walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the, uh, of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a stream planted by the, uh, like a stream planted by the, uh, like a tree planted by the streams of water, that yields its fruit in its seasons, and uh, and its uh, leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. So he's saying, hey, look, you need to be guided and directed in God's word, and what is the the word is that living stream. That tree is going to get deep roots by the water. Right, and then the other thing is rooted, but you also have to be grounded. When we think about foundations in Texas, the first thing I think about is how hard the ground is, and it causes the foundations to do what? Start cracking and shift. And you know when a house is cracking. So if God's, you know, if He's dwelling in your heart and you got some hardening going on, the cracking starts to happen, and you know because you see the cracks going up as you walk in it. You can probably tell that when you hear somebody speak. And you go, man, where did that come from? How did they get angry so quick? Where's there was no love in anything that person said. Because they're not rooted and grounded in love. And so we, we look at a verse that we all know very well in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. I shared this with the men at the retreat. Are you building your house on the rock or the sand? It says, Everyone then who hears the word of mine. And does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. It's like if you're not going to be rooted and grounded in love and unconditional love, which is that agape love, it's it's the love that puts aside our selfless others. We're gonna we're gonna be meek. I always think of uh, of First Corinthians chapter thirteen. We all look at this verse when we're married, and then we never look at it again. A lot of y'all probably use that in your in your in your marriage vows. But I ask you this this morning, are you rooted and grounded in love that is patient and kind? Rooted and grounded in love that does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It's not, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with, all, uh, with the truth. Are you rooted and grounded in love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So how important do you think rooted and grounded in love should be to you? Why? Because we're going to love each other in heaven. We won't need faith and hope anymore. We'll be in heaven. We have to have God dwell in our hearts. And we have to have that faith that goes so deep that we can... Uh, we can take that step of faith and, and that we can be rooted and grounded in love and serving our families and serving our community through God's Word. Unconditional. And then the last last two parts here, it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, I love this, and it says, may, uh, may have the strength to comprehend with all the, the saints what is the breadth, uh, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. 
And so when we think about this and grasp the idea and laying hold uh, uh, to it to yourselves, like you're going to be able to understand who God is and comprehend his word and, 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 and be able to receive Christ. Even if we think, think about the breath, we think about the width, we think about John 3.16, uh, for, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him uh, should not perish but uh, have eternal life. Uh, God's love is wide enough to include every person. So we're able to comprehend God's love. We all uh, gave our lives to Christ. We know the length is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Love never ends. As, pro as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So God's love is long enough to last through all eternity. And even death on the cross in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, when we think about the depth and being found in human form, he humbled himself uh, by uh, becoming deep enough to reach even the worst sinner. The worst, right? That's why people can come and know Christ on death row. And you go, there's no way. That's not our place. We're, we share the gospel, God does the work. You know, we don't save anybody. And then we have the height, which is heaven. And 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be, what we will be has not yet appeared, but what we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. God's love is high enough to take us to heaven. And so when we look at the, the breath, and, and I think of Jesus' outstretched hands on the cross, and I think of the length is that he suffered uh, for a long period on the cross. Before the foundation of the world, he's in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, his suffer is, is uh, beyond anything that we could ever comprehend. And so Jesus... How, did he, how deep did he go? He cried out. He cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so the depths of despair, the depth of hell, pain for our sin. We have the height of his love, which we uh, can look up and see on the cross. And so the only way I can truly look at the past, this, this scripture is I always think of it as what happened on the, the cross and, and that it was rooted and grounded in love on the hill of Calvary. We should reflect on that. That's what Paul's saying. is like, hey, you'll be able to comprehend that. And then last in verse 19 through 21, it says, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of you. Whose influence are you under? You know? Uh, I think we got kids that are addicted to gaming and addicted to pornography, and they're they're under a different influence. They're not being filled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of the things I did with Joseph yesterday, I was like, I want to, I don't want him to be on the tablets, you know, because kids, you constantly see them with phones and tablets, and I don't want that. 
I'm like, let's go get him some big Legos. I don't care if he throws them at me. I'm, I mean, I'm like, just let's get him something that's, you know, but we need to ask ourselves, what are we filled with? Are we filled with the word? Are we filled to, to, with love to, to share and to serve others? Are we filled with Christ that we are, are wanting to be Christ's light? So whose influence are you under? And so it, it says that uh, to be filled with the fullness of God in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. It says, until we, uh, we all attain the, uh, the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to measure of the stature of the fullness of God. So God wants uh, to exhibit His quality and His Son in you. That's what he wants. And, and, and so, and, and that's why we go through trials and testing is because it's trying to mature you, to grow you. And I know some of y'all have been through some rough trials. I have. I mean, I, the reason I have that cane is because I got diagnosed in, um, in February with a genetic disorder. I'm starting to have balance issues. And they told me in May, hey, you need to use the stick. You can't use a cane because your reaction time's too slow, and if I close my eyes, I lose my balance easily. And um, I was walking out of the house, and I, I, I hit the, I hit the concrete, and I was laughing because I, I the, the doctor had told me in May you need to get a walking stick. This was after the youth retreat in August. That's how hard-headed I was. And, and then I was just laughing, and my, my, my son Matthew came running over to me, and he's like, Dad, are you all right? Because it scared him. I was just like, all right, Lord, I'll go get the walking stick. Because pride comes before the fall. And so we, 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 and you think, well, why are you doing this to me? I'm serving you. What's going on? And no, it's, God's just trying to mature me. What is he, what is he doing? You need to come back and, and lean more on me than you do on the world. You're, this trial that you're going through is you need to lean on me and not on the world. And sometimes what we do is we don't we don't tend to worry about by every cunning, uh, by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And so when we're when we're not growing spiritually, what is happening to us? We're not growing in the word. We're not we're not being in prayer. What we we start getting knocked around. And y'all have all been there. I don't, I don't care who the Christian is, where something happens and it just is like, it knocks us back. We have to go back to God's Word. We have to look to His fullness. We have to look again to being rooted and grounded in love, and that's what Paul is reminding us to do here. But I think what happens at times is what we'll do is we'll start measuring ourselves against other believers. And who do we measure ourselves against? We usually pick the weakest Christian, Right? We go, well, my sin's not as bad as their stuff. I'm doing okay. And so who's, who's our measuring stick? Christ. That's who we measure ourselves against. Nobody else. And so we, we need to be careful with that, I think, because a lot of times what happens is we'll measure ourselves against other, other believers or other Christians, or I'm not doing what they're doing. At least I'm, you know... It's like, no, just you look in the mirror. That's God's looking at you. And then we get to the final part of this doxology. Uh, again, just the, the glory and the logos of the word according to the power. 
at work within us. Uh, to him be the glory and to the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so he's saying, able to do. And I love Jack, uh, Jack Ingram shared this, and he said that the way that he put this, he goes, able? He goes, wait a minute. The fullness of God is able to do? Able to do what? Able to do what we ask or think? Yeah. Able to do all that we ask or think? No. Able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think? No. Able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think? And so that means that when, when we are connected to the power of the Holy Spirit and we're being obedient, God is answering those prayers and He hears you. And His power is working through you through the Holy Spirit. And it's that Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important that if you get anything out of this uh, about prayer and being connected to the Holy Spirit, it's that Holy Spirit that constantly works in your life. So the Holy Spirit that, is actually, that actually rebukes us when we're in sin. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us into prayer and inspires us to worship. It directs us in service. And so we yield uh, to Christ. And in John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me, and I am him. He is that bears much fruit from apart from me. You can do nothing. So if I was to bring, I've, I've shared this example with Grace before. If I go, and if you go, well, I'm not sure where I'm at. If I'm connected with the Holy Spirit, look at Galatians. Are you struggling with patience? And maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that. You know, that's, that's a good barometer of, of the kind of seeing if you're, you, you're connected to the power or not. And so, uh, one of the things that, that uh, when, when we look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, I love this verse because this really describes what our walk should look like. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only, uh, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without, um, without a blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom shines, uh, shine a lights um, as lights in the world. And so, Real simply, if we look at Philippians and, and we look at this verse, what God wants to do in us through the Spirit is to, to do what? Uh, for God who works to, uh, in you to do what? Both to His will, but also for His good pleasure. And for what? His glory. So He's saying, I'm going to use you to shine a light, and, and I'm going to use that uh, for, it's going to be, I want you to be, to take that step of faith in, in my will, but also for what? Not your purpose, for His. But for whose glory? His. And He's going to help you do all that by being connected to the power of the Spirit. And so, you know, if, if we think about it, we can, uh, you know, um, do we want to see attendance being boosted just so we can see our own achievements? No. We want to see people coming to know Christ and being powered by the Holy Spirit, being bold to share the gospel, right? And we want, we want to be crying out to Him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And David Guzik said this, is when the power 
uh, when the church understands and walks in God's eternal purpose, God will, glor- will be glorified and the church will fulfill its important duty of simply glorifying God. So what is our, our duty? To glorify God. A fun thing to look at is 40 years later, the church of Ephesus was in the book of Revelations. Paul encouraging them. They were a church of works. And uh, we can see in Revelation chapter 2, verses uh, 4, it says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned love with verse 5 says remember therefore what you have uh, you have fallen repent and do the works you did at first so maybe you you you're reading this prayer now and you're going man i i forgot that god does dwell in my heart and there are some things that need to get kind of worked out there and, and i i've neglected prayer and maybe i i need that fresh one in the holy spirit upon me so what i'm going to do is to close out we're going to pray this prayer. And sometimes that's probably like, if you want to do something awesome, spend a week praying this prayer from Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. Pray it, pray it for Pastor Roy. Pray it for the church. Pray it for yourselves and pray it for your families. It's a beautiful verse. It really is. It should encourage you when you read it. And, and it's an awesome, just an awesome verse in the book of Ephesians. And, uh, you know, Roy will be back next week, so y'all won't be stuck with me again. So, uh, and uh, let's, let's, I'm going to pray this prayer for all of us. Yeah, no. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. It says, uh, as we pick that up in verse 14, it says, For this reason we bow our knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant each of you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, be rooted and grounded in love. May you have, uh, have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breath and the length and the height the love of christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all fullness of god now to you uh, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be the glory in the church in christ jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, and we all said, Amen. Thank you all.